You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like, like math class. You know what I'm saying? Like, can I tell you, can I be real with you for just a second? Like, I have never used a derivative. Some of you don't even know how to spell that word, okay? I have never used a derivative in my entire life outside of my 10th grade class. Like, 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 why am I having to learn all this, like, long division and all this multiplication stuff? People, my teacher always said, oh, listen, you're going to need this in your life because when you go to the grocery store or when you're paying your bills, you're going to need this. Listen, when I go to the grocery store, I'm not looking for math. I'm looking for great value. Yeah. Yeah, you better say that. Don't tell me I need decimals or derivatives. I just need to know what the closest number to zero is. That's what I'm buying. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like, how about this one? How about this one? Like, like when your mom and dad ask you to make your bed. Mm, 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 mm. Mm, mm, mm. My mama, she always came up to me. She said, boy, you better make your bed. I looked at her. I said, woman, this my bed. I ain't making nothing because tonight I'm about to mess it up and I ain't gonna make it again tomorrow. How many, you know, how many, I didn't actually say that, but I thought that to her. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you ever like, you just wanna say stuff, but like instead you have to think stuff to her? So, mm. Like, how many know, like if I would have said that, I wouldn't be up here today. You know what I'm saying? Come on. But we've all been in situations in our lives where maybe you're in an environment that you feel is insignificant to your life. Like maybe God asked you to do something. Maybe you've been trying and trying for so long and you haven't seen any results. Tonight I don't want to talk to you because it means something. Did you know that everything that God asked you to do, it means something. You might not like it. You might not see it. You might not even feel why you are doing it is the right reason, but it means something. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say it means something. Yeah, yeah, what if I told you that it means something? Did you know that your life means something? Jesus designed you to be meaningful. That, that, that translates to full of meaning. You might be in this place thinking, oh man, I, I, I don't mean much. I'm not worth much. I want to tell you, your life means something to God. Even though you might be in a situation or a scenario that you feel is insignificant, just because you feel like that place is insignificant doesn't mean that God doesn't see your life as significant. Come on, somebody say it means something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. It means something. So I don't want to talk to you. And the title of my message is It Means Something. Come on, let's pray today. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, God. We thank you for these words through this microphone, God, that are coming from your mouth, Jesus. We pray that you would pierce our hearts, that you would make us new, that you would prepare our hearts for a greater harvest than we have ever seen, asked, or imagined. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. I want to tell you today that your life means something. You might be in this room and you might feel like you are knocked down, but I came to tell you that you are not out. You might feel like God has been setting you back, but really God is just setting you up for you to do something greater in your life. It means something. Everything. And your life means something. Your attitude, what God has asked you to do, it means something. That season of your life of you going through school, guess what? It means something. That relationship that ended and you feel like, man, why did that relationship end? Guess what? It means something. That relationship that you feel like is tarnished with your parents, but guess what? It's not over. It means something. It means something today. And tonight I want to talk to you about this story from David, the life of David. How many of you guys know David and Goliath? Come on. David and Goliath. 
I want to talk about this guy named David who defeated this giant, but I want to talk to you before he was famous, okay? Because how many of you know, before he could be a king, he had to be a shepherd. Before David could sit on the throne, he had to sit his behind in the grass and watch the sheep. See, so much can be found from the life of David because, you see, David, before David could be famous, he had to be faithful, I want to ask you, are you trying to be famous or are you trying to be faithful? Because here's the thing about trying to be famous is famous has a, a short lifespan. How many of you ever heard of, of Charlie Bit My Finger? Come on. Come on, come on, come on. How many of you have never heard of the kid Charlie Bit My Finger? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like a ton of you in the room have never heard of that. Did you know that fame is temporary? But faithfulness will create a different kind of fame that we're going to talk about tonight. Are you trying to be famous or are you trying to be faithful? Because here's the reality. If you chase faithfulness, God will always make you famous so that you can point him back to him. And, and, and if you chase fame, then it will always lead to failure. As a matter of fact, it says this in Luke 16, 19. It says, if you are faithful, everybody say faithful. In the little things, then you will be faithful. Everybody say faithful. In the large things. In other words, what the scripture is saying, if, if, if you can manage what you have, then I'll give you more to manage. Oh, come on. Who wants to manage a lot? Come on. I want to manage a lot in my life. I want to be faithful with the small things so that God can continue to pour out into my life. You see, everyone loves the idea of greatness, but everybody overlooks the power of your faithfulness. See, God doesn't want you to do a great thing. He wants you to do the same thing. What do I mean by that? God is not impressed with people that do great things. He's impressed with people that do the same thing faithfully. That's exactly what David was doing. David, day in and day out, David would sit on the lawn watching some sheep. You ever done that before? Like no phone, no Snapchat, no Twitter, no Instagram, no nothing. He would just sit there and, and, and he would... He would watch sheep. You know how insignificant that may feel? You know how like, like, like not beneficial to my life? Like, dude, all I am doing is sitting here and literally doing nothing but just watching sheep. But the thing that David understood is that it meant something. Even though it didn't mean something to him, it meant something to God. And God was preparing him for a greater sheep to herd and to, to save and to watch over. And as we look at the life of David. I love it because you have to understand that, that, that being a shepherd is not easy. It's not easy work, but it is faithful work. You ever tried to herd a sheep before? They say that sheep are the dumbest animals alive. Why? Because they don't have very many brain cells. So they just run around and all they do is eat grass and we just use their fur, but they, they really have no significance. So David is sitting here with the dumbest animals and just watching them. Come on, have you ever been in a situation like that in your life when you're just sitting in a field feeling like what you are doing is insignificant? Sitting in a field, sitting in a classroom, sitting at a job, sitting in your home, sitting somewhere, and you feel like, man, God, what I am doing right now is not what you called me to, so why do you have me here? You have to understand that David was probably in the most insignificant place that he could have been in that time. He wasn't on the battlefield. He wasn't in the kingdom. He wasn't uh, uh, best friends with, with his homies hanging out in the village. No, no, he was in the field by himself. Probably asking the same questions that you ask yourself when you're in that position. Man, God, why is this happening to me? 
God, why am I having to do this again? Why can't I be in the battlefield with all of the soldiers? Why can't I be in the place of all the famous people? Why can't I be with them? And God answers him the same way every single time. He says, David, guess what? It means something. Come on, if there's one thing that you take away from today, I want you to understand that your life means something. What you do means something. Your attitude means something. Your faith means something. You mean something. Just like, just like David. God answered, David, it means something. You see, there are a few things that I believe that David had to teach himself before he was able to overcome this thing called self-defeat. What is self-defeat? Self-defeat is when you count yourself out before you've even started because you think, oh man, God, my life isn't good enough. I don't have enough exposure. I don't have enough clout. I don't have enough influence. I don't have enough to offer to other people. So I'm just going to defeat myself before somebody else defeats me. It's the position that you take when you look at your opponent and you say, you know what, I'm throwing in the towel because my opponent has more to offer than the contender. I came to tell somebody that Jesus says that you are more than an overcomer. You are a conqueror through Christ Jesus. But a lot of times we fall into this place of, of self-defeat. The thing that I love about David is before David had an Instagram, he had an instrument. Mm. What do I mean by that? But if David had an Instagram, then it would have all been about, oh, man, who's following me? Who's watching me? But I love David's instrument because when David picked up the instrument, it wasn't about him and who was watching, but who he was worshiping. Uh, uh, somebody needs to get this tonight. Listen, you've been looking on Instagram for too long. Significance isn't about who, uh, significance isn't about who follows you, but it's about who you follow. Because when you follow Jesus, all of a sudden, guess what? It doesn't matter how many likes, how many retweets, how many Snapchat streaks you have. Because all it takes is one mention from Jesus for you to have enough influence, enough clout. More than any celebrity that you follow and more than any friend that you follow. Why? Because it's not called fame, baby. It's called glory. So when God's glory falls down on you because you follow him, guess what? Everything changes. Everything changes. I love it because when I'm walking in glory, ooh, oh baby, oh baby, when I'm walking in glory, guess what, I talk different. Uh, I can look at the face of the enemy and say, enemy, guess what? Get behind me because I have a greater force on my life. When I'm walking in glory, my feet don't stop because even though I may be in quicksand, I know who's going to pull me up. It's this thing called glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, 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 your life was, was meant to be lived in, in this position of glory. God says he's going to rain down his glory on us. What does that mean? That means significance. That means influence. That means more clout. Yeah, yeah, clout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means more of your life that you have to offer back to him because glory isn't just supposed to come down, but glory is also supposed to come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this, it's this thing called glory. See, what was, what was he doing? See, Jesus, is, Jesus doesn't like the popular people. He likes the faithful people. Jesus doesn't like the people that have a lot of followers. Jesus likes the people that say, you know what, it doesn't matter if I have followers. I'm just going to follow one person and his name is Jesus. Jesus doesn't care who does the greatest thing. Jesus says, hey, I just want you to be faithful. That's it. I just want you to have an attitude of faith. 
That even when your life feels insignificant, even when what you are doing you don't understand, you can trust in me because I have a plan that is greater than any plan any man could give you. He's not, he's not interested in the popular. He's interested in the faithful. So, so David is in this field, right? What is God doing with David? Well, well, he's in this field because to, on the outside, all, all the brothers and all the people around him do, doesn't look like he's offering much. It doesn't look like David is really doing anything with his life. All he is is a shepherd. But what God was doing is God was grooming. See, what God was doing is God was preparing. See, what God was doing is God was seasoning his life. God was saying, hey, guess what, David? What you are doing right now means something. Let me groom you. The issue, though, is many of us, we love skipping the grooming process. But hear me, if you skip the process of grooming, then you will also skip the position of greatness. Because if you are not grateful for the grooming, then all of a sudden God will replace your spot in the blessing. Yeah, yeah, guess what? I, I came to tell somebody in this room, get, get this, God doesn't need you. God doesn't need your pride. God doesn't need a famous person. God does not need a celebrity. No, he needs somebody that is faithful, somebody who is grateful. Some of you need to develop an attitude of gratitude so that when you wake up in the morning, you say, oh, man, I hate going to school, God, but thank you for giving me a free education. Yeah, 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 like, like, like you need to be grateful. Like, man, you might, you might have gotten into a fight with your mom before you got here, but guess what? You need to look to God right now and say, God, thank you for giving me a mother that loves me and corrects me. Some of you guys, man, I hate it. I hate when you guys complain about your jobs because guess what? You need to walk into your job tomorrow and you say, oh, God, guess what? I really do not want to scrub this toilet, but thank you for putting an extra dollar in my pocket so I can take my girl on a date. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you girls, you, you've, been, you've been complaining, you've been crying about that boy that, that broke up with you, but some of you, you need to look at Jesus right now in the face and you say, oh God, thank you for saving me from this nobody who has no life and has no money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, it's an attitude of gratitude. Okay? You've been complaining too long. Right? You, you develop this attitude of complaining. When God gives you different things, guess what? You don't like it. Guess what? God will give you what you ask for, but he won't always give it to you in the way that you want to see it. Yes, yeah, sometimes it comes through the lens of patience. Sometimes it comes through the lens of waiting. Sometimes it comes through the lens of preparation, which is exactly where David is in this story. David is, is, is he's getting groomed. Groomed for what? Groomed for greatness. He, he, God is preparing him. Preparing him for what? Preparing him for his next battle. God is saying, hey, listen, if you are faithful with these sheep, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you an even greater sheep herder. Not of sheep, but of my people. Did you know that in the Bible it says that we are the sheep? So what, what, what he was doing to David is he was grooming him, he was perfecting him, he was preparing him, and he was getting him ready for something that was, was about to take place in, in, in David's life. David could have felt like he was, he was set aside. So his brothers are all over there, and they're looking for the next person to be the king. All of the brothers are over there, but, but David is in the field. 
All of the brothers are hanging out with the priests, and David is in the field. All the brothers are at battle, but David is in the field. You ever felt like that before? Like you've just been stuck in the field, and you look at everybody around you. Looks like they're going, they're flying, they're soaring, they're doing all these incredible things. They are destined for greatness, and you're sitting in the field. Could have felt like he was set aside. Like he was, like he was forgotten about, like he was overlooked. I want to tell you today that David was not set aside. What he was doing is he was setting him apart. You might feel in this room like you have been set aside, like you were an afterthought. I came to tell you today, baby, that you were the only thought on God's mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not set aside, you're set apart. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Like sometimes I go to Chipotle, holla back. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I go to Chipotle and I say, oh, I want the salsa on the side because I don't know if I really want it or not. You see, some of you guys have put your calling on the side. Some of you have put your identity on the side. Some of you have put your plan and your purpose on the side. Some of you have even put your life on the side because you're sitting on the side saying, I don't know if I'm going to do it or if I'm not going to do it. I don't know if I'm good enough or if I'm not. Guess what? God did not design you to be a side dish. God designed you to be a three-course meal. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, watch this. Watch this. Hey, listen, listen. Hey, sometimes, 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 sometimes. Listen, 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 listen. Sometimes it takes longer to cook a steak than a hot dog. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it takes a lot longer to, to cook a steak than a hot dog. But for some reason, man, we feel called. We feel empowered. So we'll settle for the hot dog because we don't want to wait. Do you know what they put in hot dogs? I made a video of what they put in hot dogs. Run the no, I'm joking. I didn't make a video. Yeah, yeah I'm joking. Just kidding. Do you know what they put in hot dogs? They put the leftovers in hot dogs. So, so, why do we, so why do we settle for the leftovers when God says, no, 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 I pr I'm preparing you right now. I am seasoning you right now. I am marinating you right now. Just because it's fast doesn't mean it's good. Sometimes it's going to take some time for me to get you to the place that I've destined you to get to. Come on, we're having some fun in church tonight. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not, you're not set aside, you're set apart. Set apart for something greater, set apart for a greater destiny. But guess what? It's going to take time to marinate, to season. Why is it that, that, that we love taking like the fast food kind of faith? Like I wish there were some more people that, that, that it's funny. I told my wife, I was like, yo, I never preach on food. But ever since I got back from Australia, I'm only preaching on food. I don't know what happened, y'all. Okay, for real. I don't even like food. Food is gross. Um, but, but why is it that we take the fast food kind of faith? I wish there were some more people that said, you know what, I want the finisher kind of faith. The kind of faith that says, you know what, I'm not going to sit back on my heels anymore. I'm going to stick my feet in the ground. And when the storms and the waves come against me and I don't know what's happening, guess what? I'm going to trust God and I'm going to let him finish what he started. But a lot of times we like to, like, Go to the fast food restaurant instead of staying cooking. You know what I mean? Like, like, like we'd rather have a McDouble than, than something from like, like, like a filet mignon. You know what I'm saying? So, so we'll settle with a, with, with a half kind of faith. 
will settle with like a McDonald's kind of faith because that's what satisfies me right now. God does not want to satisfy your faith. God wants to change, transform, renew, restore, and do all of that together. But you need some finisher kind of faith. The kind of faith that says, God, you can finish what you started. There are some of you that you might be in this room today and you might be saying, listen, I'm going through a heartbreak. I'm going through a heartache. I'm going through a battle right now. I have some pain. I'm carrying a burden. But I love it because what Jesus is doing is he is not punishing you. He is just preparing you. Because while all your friends and all your family run to other people, guess what? They're going to get the McDouble. But when they run back to you after God is done with you, after you carry the burden, after you go through the valley, after you experience the heat and the sun and all of the things that come with it, people are going to come to you and get this. Watch this. The wisdom that you are going to give them is going to be greater than any influence in the world. Because it wasn't marinated in the world. It was marinated in heaven and it came down upon you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, finish, finish, finish the race. Come on, somebody say finish the race. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see, David, David understood that he needed some finisher faith. He knew that he wasn't going to be a shepherd forever, but he needed to appreciate the position that he was in. Because what he was doing was being groomed for greatness. So if you follow along the story, all of a sudden there's this huge giant that comes. And this giant is massive and, and, and he's, he's leading this army. And he, he steps out onto the battlefield and he says, hey, whoever can defeat me, we will be your slaves. But if I defeat you, then you guys are going to come and be our slaves. See, nobody had seen a giant of this size except for one, and it was David. How did David, how did David see a giant this size? Because it was when he was in the field. You can go back in scripture and read this, but it was when he was protecting his sheep that guess what? He didn't see a human kind of giant. He saw an animal kind of giant. It says in the Bible that while he was protecting his sheep, he had to defeat a lion and a bear. Not only did he have to defeat them, but he had to do it with his bare hands. So, so, so when these people came up to David and they were like, David, we need somebody to fight. This was easy for David. Why? Because he was a seasoned vet. Why? Because he didn't take for granted the position that God put him in. Why? Because he was ready for the battle. And when he looked at the man, he said, he doesn't have a big jaw like the lion. When he looked at the man, he said, he doesn't have a roar like the lion. So all I'm going to need is a rock and a sling to throw at this man because I've already seen this giant. God wasn't just grooming him for greatness. He was grooming him to take down giants. Man, what if the place that you are in right now, that place that you think is insignificant, that place that you have been overlooking is really just preparing you for another battle that God is going to place you in, but he can't get you through there if he doesn't get you through this. Don't overlook the place that God has you. Come on, it might hurt, but press on just a little bit longer. It, it might be uncomfortable, but, but just keep pushing back. That's what I love about David. See, David, so many times, people would try to kill David because of his calling. Do you know that if you don't have haters, then you ain't doing it right. <laughs> Come on, like, like everybody complains about having haters in their life. Guess what? Haters make me greaters. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, see David had all these haters, and one time he had to run. But I love it because he wrote down this, this psalm, Psalm 23. 
One of the most famous psalms that he wrote. But if he didn't know what it was like to be a shepherd, then he wouldn't have been able to write this. Because it was in this psalm that he looks to God again. And he says, hey, God, listen, where I am at is a tough place right now. But I know who you are. Because I didn't take for granted the place that you put me. But it was in the field that, guess what, he was able to worship God. It was in the field that he said, you know what, I I'm not going to complain about the place that I am, but I'm going to find purpose in it. And I'm going to begin to get to know who God is. And he wrote this down. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I can fear no evil because I know that you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. See, what does this scripture tell me? It tells me that, man, when I get knocked down, I can get back up. It means that when the tough gets going, I can start going because I'm staying faithful. I'm not going to let the wind and the waves crash over me because I know that the Lord is my shepherd. So even though I feel like I lack, I know that I don't because he is all that I need. I feel like there are some of you in this room that you have given up. Did you know that it is natural human tendency to stand back up when you get knocked down? But for some reason, when our spiritual lives get attacked, we like to stay down and we like to pout about it. I came to tell somebody that there is a God in the room that has outstretched his hand and says, hey, even though you walk through the darkest valley, you don't have to be afraid. And you can get back up. Come on, somebody say get back up. Yeah, yeah. what do you need to get back up from today? What has knocked you down? What has, has counted you out? What have you discredited? I, I wrote some of these things down. Maybe you're in this room today and you're just like, man, I feel lonely. I came to tell you that even in your loneliness, you can still hear the voice of God. Yeah, yeah I, I wrote down that the, that the burden that you're carrying, guess what, it might be heavy, but by the time you're done carrying it, you're going to be stronger than when you first started. Yeah, that season that you're in that you don't want to be in, guess what? You might not see the value in it, but if you would just remain faithful, I believe God would show you a new kind of value. Did you know that just because you don't see what is happening doesn't mean that God doesn't see what's happening? It actually just means that he sees something from a different angle that you don't see. It means something. It means something. Your past and your present, you might look back at your past, you might even look at your present and say, man, how could I ever be good enough for God? Guess what? God is the only one that holds your future. All you have to do is walk to him. You might be in this place and you might have discounted and discredited the things that you've done. And God is saying, guess what? Greater are the things 
that you've done than all of your friends because you've remained faithful with the little things. And because you've remained faithful with the little things, guess what? There is more coming. But just start getting ready. Just start getting prepared for a greater harvest. Maybe you're in this place and you've just given up on your life. Maybe you're in here and you're just like, you know what? I will never be good enough. I will never have faith enough. And what you've done is you've given up your faith. You've stopped believing in the dream that God put in your heart. You've given up on your calling. You walked away from your purpose. And God is saying today, if you would renew your faith, if you would stand on your toes and stop leaning back on your heels, then I can show you a better way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because God has a plan for your life. Guess what? You have a purpose. Come on, you have a calling. There is a destiny of greatness. And I believe that God is grooming a room of great people in this room tonight. That's why I don't want the biggest, most popular youth group. I would rather us have 10 people who are hungry and faithful than 100 people that are saying, you know what, I'm just going to come to church and then I'm going to walk away a different person. Then on Sunday, I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to put my mask back on after that. I'm going to go back to school. I'm kicking with my homies. Man, what if there were some people that stopped saying, you know what, I'm just going to do me, and started saying, you know what, I'm going to live set apart. Because get this, when you live set apart, it's going to be lonely. It's going to be lonely. When you live set apart, guess what, it's going to feel insignificant. When you live set apart, guess what? There are going to be haters and there are going to be people that make fun of you. When you live set apart, you're going to feel like God has forgotten about you. But when you live set apart, there is no greater reward. When you chase after the goal that God has placed in front of you and you don't look to the left and you don't look to the right and you don't worry about what happened previously. It says that there's a greater reward at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, what have you given up on? Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's a relationship with your parents. Maybe you just, you just don't have enough faith and you don't have enough strength. Come on, right now. I just feel it in my spirit. God wants to restore some things in somebody. God wants to remind some people, guess what, that you can do it, that you can make it, that you can try and try and try and try again. God's saying, hey, don't give up. Don't, don't be overlooked. Don't feel like David in the field acting like, like you're doing nothing. Don't, stop, stop hating your job. Stop hating your family. Stop hating your school. And guess what? If you would just open your eyes, you would see the harvest in front of you. It breaks my heart because I go to a, to a Christian school to visit for, for first priority. And the principal came up to me and he said, yeah, man, I wish there were more people like you that came into our school. Because 97% of our school aren't even Christians. You see, I could walk onto the campus and I could complain and say, oh, man, I don't have time for this. Oh, man, why am I doing this? Oh, man, there are better things, man. Oh, man, why am I not preaching on a stage? Oh, man, why am I not doing all these other things? And God is saying, you are missing the harvest. There is a harvest in front of you. Just like David, if David was ungrateful, he would have never defeated the giant. And if he walked into the temple and he played his instrument and said, oh man, why am I playing my instrument? I should be the king right now. This king is trying to kill me. Guess what? If he was ungrateful, he would have never taken the throne. 
and if he was on the throne. And he said, oh, man, this is too hard. Nobody appreciates me. Then he would not be a pillar of faith today. I believe that God wants to raise up some pillars of faith that generation after generation after generation, they can look back to you and say, man, I remember Sophie's faith. Man, I remember Manny's faith. Man, I remember Jade's faith. Man, I remember their faith. And it causes me to hunger. It causes me to get passionate. It causes me to say, I'm not out of the fight. I may be knocked down, but I'm not out. I want to be like David. Come on, is there anybody that wants to be like David? Come on, stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me for just a few moments. We're almost done today. We're going to wrap up. We're going to play some basketball. It's going to be dope. But come on, God is raising up a David generation. People that chase after God's own heart. But you've given up. God is saying, don't give up today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, come on, what have you given up on? You've given up on something, what is it? Maybe it's a dream, maybe it's your potential, maybe it's your capacity for leadership, maybe it's that friend that you've invited but they've thrown it back in your face. Guess what God is saying? Invite them again. And when they throw it back in your face, invite them again. And when they do it again, guess what? Invite them again. But don't give up. Come on, if that's you and you say, man, I've given up on something. Whatever it might be. I'm gonna, I count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Not so that I can see it, but so that God can see it. Come on, because God wants to, to give you a new strength and a new courage and a new power and a new kind of faithfulness to him. So if that's you, you say, man, I've given up on something. Maybe you've given up on your life. Maybe you're in this room and you're just like, man, I'm just, I'm just always going to be me. Nothing better. Come on, on the count of three, I want you to have the faith enough to say, God, take this from me and give me a new kind of faith. One, if that's you, raise your hand. Two and three. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, all across this room, almost every single hand is up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, Jesus, right now. Jesus, right now, God, I ask that you would renew some strength in this place. God, I pray for new hearts of David to fall from heaven right now. God, I pray that, that a new resilience, a new persistence, a new faithfulness would rise up again, God, so that even though we might be knocked down, we can get up and we can do it again. The dream is not dead. We may have given up on the dream, but we know that you have not. So God, come on. Rain down your glory right now, God. Rain down your glory right now, God. Raise up a new kind of faithfulness in us. Raise up a new kind of faithfulness in us. God, if you're in this place and you say, man, you know what? I love what you're talking about, faithfulness. But I've never been faithful to God. I've never even known this Jesus that you're talking about. But tonight I want to I put myself in a position of faith again. Or maybe for the first time, you're just saying, man, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. We're going to sing that last song again. Christ is enough for me. I want you to know that Jesus came. He died on a cross, not just for anybody, but for you. 
And it was when he was on the cross that he said, hey, guess what? I am doing this so that that person that is in this room right now can meet me. 2,000 years later, Jesus wants to meet with you and Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. And Jesus wants to be the everything of your life. So if that's you and you say, man, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or you walked away from Jesus. You say, man, I want to renew my faith with Jesus. If that's you on a count of three, we just want you to raise your hand. No looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, one, two, three. You want to say yes to Jesus today. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on. Yeah. Come on, everybody in this room, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I choose you today. I say yes to the call. Make me new. Give me a new life. Restore my faithfulness. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing this song one last time tonight before we close.